Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back. And you've been asking for it for quite a long time. It is a, a rarity here around these parts. A three-man booth today. Not Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, and Mark Jones. No, it is from The Athletic. The man who comes to preview everything, thus he has to be here today naturally to preview the 2022 NBA Finals, Dave Dufour, and, and, and none other than internet legend, the, the artist known as the Dime Drop. He's already shaking his head as I, as I loud him with praise from the ringer, J. Kyle Mann. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much for coming. I'm definitely Mark Jones of, of that three man. You guys are the seasoned basketball minds, and I'm like, well, hang just over on here, a I'm over here pretending. I'm like, yeah, and that was a great pick and roll. Mark, Mark really stepped his hoop talk up this year. Did you guys notice that? Is that just? Me? Oh yeah. yeah, tremendous amount of effort getting the playbook terminology from Mark Jones. He's yeah, a, yeah, you'd just yeah. be like doing play by play in a random Tuesday night game on ESPN, and he's like, little Chicago pistol there with a <laughs> with a snapback. <laughs> <laughs> is that Just what people the want? The play. Is that what people want? I, I I would say, as someone with experience with this, talking over plays to large audiences, um, sometimes it's not about the terminology; it's about getting them to understand the thing. And so that's what's always funny to me when Mark brings it up. He's just like he's like he's like, oh, a little hammer cyclone. He's gonna say hammer, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, the, I, the, I the entry level way. one is yeah. Go ahead. I, I, you know, I still work in um, you know kind of fight sports and stuff, and uh, I always felt that way about mixed martial arts, right? Like, what is an omoplata? <laughs> that's a shoulder. That's a yeah. shoulder lock. You know that, leg. but like for yeah. a novice or someone who doesn't know. Yeah, it's just tough. And so, like, you know, it's funny. I, I've actually, as I continue to do this job, try to do less and less of right. that. Yep. Here's here's yep. what that is. Oh, I'm really – and I don't think he's doing it. I, I do think he's trying to enhance his coverage, right? Like, um, But for me, it made it – I got better when I stopped being so specific about those terms and actually just saying what's happening or describing – in in better detail than just hey they you know they did a they ran floppy, yeah. I, right. I, could, I mean, I, I think that, we have to, not everybody knows what it is. I think we have to yeah be careful because I don't want I was I like Mark yeah I was gonna say I don't oh, want no, it to no, seem no. like I we shifted cool. it yeah I he's like great it as a style thing yeah he's definitely sprinkled it in there though where you could tell he definitely paid took some time to like up his game on that front like he was talking about concepts I think you're right I think I think you should be able to, the best teachers out there can like take the thing they're passionate about and because it's easy to just regurgitate terms and no right. one and you and i think ultimately at the end of the day you're if you're doing that you're doing it to i guess just uh, like to confirm to maybe people that you know what you're talking about the the people over there in the back that you're that that kind of do know like okay yeah i know these terms I it don't can know. get it's, performative right exactly. and it's like um I, I don't know i just i don't typically care about that stuff um I want to have a good time and get the point across. But I think Mark is – I do think he's been one of the best play-by-play guys this year, and that's part of it. I have a question that I think is rolling around in my head as I've tried to handicap this this finals. Um, the Celtics sort of turnovers and deflections and steals, uh, how much of that was, one, Miami's defensive scheme, obviously some of it, Two, Miami just having a collection of players that just has 
Like, I don't know the best hands in the league. What's going on? Is that legit? Or three, was it a function of like liberal officiating getting really physical? Because there were some plays where Oladipo reaches a lot when he's matched up with Brown and Tatum. And there were some plays where he ripped him. And then there were some plays you look at the replay and you're like, what? That's, that's a, well, that was, <laughs> that's a was lot. Cold. Yeah. It was everybody. Yeah. They were, so Jalen Brown's got a loose handle. And the, it was clear from the jump that the scouting report and the game plan for Miami was reach early, reach often. We don't care about the fouls. I mean, it, they foul constantly. And the ref the Pat Riley just, it's the Pat Riley way. Yeah, the ref can't call them all. And I mean, Gabe Vincent's out there ripping Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And okay, I mean, if the refs aren't going to call it, you're going to keep doing it. And I think that that was part of it. Um, but the other thing is, their handles are loose. Uh, Jalen Brown legitimately just loses the ball all the time in traffic. It's like he goes all thumbs when he's trying to dribble between people. And then with, with Jason Tatum, he is so preoccupied with drawing contact, drawing fouls. And he does that raising the ball and losing the ball move on purpose to try to draw fouls. And the ref stopped calling it. It's the playoffs, bro. You got to play basketball now. And so, so that was live the ball turnovers. That's a live yeah. ball. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's simple. I mean, I've watched these two guys their entire careers very closely. Uh, this is, I mean, Jalen Brown had fixed the handle thing for a little bit. And then now he's gotten much looser. And uh, Jason Tatum, I mean, it's if he would just play basketball, he, he'd he be as uh, an MVP candidate. For the playoffs, right? Like, I mean, if you if you look at what he's done, this playoffs, the defense that he's played, this guy has been insane. But the some of the shooting numbers and a lot of that is trying to bow bait and just throwing up bad shots. And I just, I don't know, man. I think that it's all three, but a lot of it is that's who those two guys are. Yeah, it sounds like you're saying that. So, so everything I hear from you makes me think, which is where my mind was going. <laughs> That when they match up with Golden State, you're not going to see that issue to the same degree. Just like when Golden State left Memphis, you don't see that issue with Dallas. Uh, Kyle, what do you think? Uh, you're talking about we're not going to see. Well, I mean, like Memphis and Miami both kind of have that in their identity to to play uphill, play physically, be disruptive. They play that way more than Golden State does. I mean, so I mean... I guess that's going to add some variance specifically with you were talking about how they could, how could they have such a high net rating with their starters when when the games when the when the series has seemed this close. I think a lot of it just is the way this this Boston roster is constructed. They don't have offense flowing from a super steady force as good as Jason Tatum has gotten and as much as he's improved that two-headed monster of him and Jalen can be shaky as we've seen and I think Miami was just kind of a perfectly shitty foil for them on that front. <laughs> like you saw how they had every position could play physically, they could get up on you. They're really strong. We've seen and it's just a lot of dudes who are just wired that way. I, I mean, at Golden State, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I guess in a vacuum, just saying that they're just going to play basketball and not think about anything else. We know Draymond is like the griftiest of all, of the grifters. Is, is I mean, he's he will grift. He has been known to grift. Other than that, I mean, Draymond is the griftiest of the grifters. Maybe not. Yeah, Maybe I, not. I, I, that uh, feels uh, offensive. I don't know if you can say that. He Come will on. grift. He will grift. He will grift. Okay, we not won't say we won't. Yeah, right. We, 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 I think you have offensive grifting and defensive yes, grifting. Right. And he's not much of an offensive grifter. You could say maybe he's on the high scale of 
defensive grifting, but I wouldn't think of him as the. He'll get the dirt grifties. under his nails. He's not defense, the, the you know? king of the grifters in this series. No, no, he's well. We he's got, got a, quite a we got quite a lineup here. I, you know, whatever you can revise what I said. I think I, I'm I'm excited about this matchup. I mean, I think that this was probably the best case scenario of the four teams that we had left. I think these teams just um, I don't know. I, I've been kind of curious about like offenses that ha- have like decentralized offenses that like don't depend on going inside first or don't depend on a, a player pounding the ball things like that um i just think these two teams they could enable each other in the way that in the opposite way like miami miami had a way of of sort of being a bad buzzsaw for what for what boston likes to do and i think that these two teams could kind of enable each other i don't know what yeah. do you all think do you think that this what do you all think about that stylistically, I, these teams? Colliding? I completely agree with that. And I think going back to your comment about the, the last series, after getting some time with it, I think it was a horrible matchup in this sense because the Celtics' defense is incredible. And Miami's defense, I mean, Miami's offense is, uh, let's be kind and say, not incredible. And then on the flip side, Miami's defense is also really good in this like swarming, hectic way. And the Celtics can kind of fall prey to that. And so you end up with a series that on both ends of the court is gunky. It's like just really not sexy in any way. I think the Celtics and the Warriors, you're going to almost have the opposite, where certainly in three of the four options, um, you know, offense when the Celtics, I guess it's two options, but when the Celtics are on offense and the Warriors are on defense, that might not be as gummy. Um, and then the flip side, when the Celtics are on defense and the Warriors are on offense, I mean, how much time do we have? It feels like you could write a book about this series. This is this is a really exciting matchup of what I think is kind of an historically great defense and an offense that is dynamic and has these built-in flowing counters. And we can get into the X's and O's and who's going to guard who, but I think that's what makes this series so different. Um Going back to put some color on that last point in the Eastern Conference Finals, Miami's offensive rating with, let's just pick Jimmy Butler, is still like only 106 with him on the court. That's really bad. So they got locked down for the series. So the question is, how low, there's like the number one question leading into this series to me is, how much can the Celtics defense limit the Warriors' offense? Where's that number going to fall? That's like the starter for me. That, see, I think the Warriors can more consistently guard the Celtics than the Celtics can consistently guard the Warriors because the Warriors, you just can't guard them consistently. They are going to poke holes in everything until they find the one that works. And they always have the silver bullet, and it's Steph Curry with the ball in his hand. And, I mean, until I see it stopped, I won't believe you can stop it. He's helping. So. Dave, you say something there that is just fascinating to me. The Warriors do it differently. And so our minds are not used to seeing how they do it, right? And I think because of that, because they kind of live on their own little island, what has happened is when they're poking holes and it doesn't work and they go through these little slumps. Well, it's Steve Kerr's fault. It's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. People over index on the reason it's not working. Oh, you see it's broken. You can chip away at it. You see Curry's, Curry can't create his own shot. You see it's Steve Kerr overdoing this. The reality is 
their overall offense has always been really healthy and successful and sometimes the best we've ever seen. And this season in the playoffs, even though in the regular season they had the footprint of a better defense than offense, what we've seen in the West especially is they just poke, 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 and you look at the end of the series and you're like, oh, they had a 127 offensive rating in that series because they had a really hard time being guarded. I thought Dallas, especially after doing the deep dive study on the Phoenix series, immediately had to change the way you can't defend Phoenix the way you defend Golden State. And Dallas was never able to switch to more zone principles or more switch heavy principles. And so you're trying to chase these guys around screens the whole series. Good luck. And they were out of gas. They were out of gas. Like, I mean, their best defenders just were toast. Um, Dwight Powell just could give them nothing, you know. Uh, But Dorian Finney-Smith and and Reggie Bullock, that was the worst series that they had in the playoffs, obviously. But it was probably as bad as I've seen them play since January. Those two guys in particular, um, you know, just completely not being able to hit a shot and also a turnstile on defense. Not a good combination against the Warriors. yeah, I think too. Another thing um, you were talking about, you know, they have Steph. What was amazing about that series against Dallas was they weren't like exactly riding Steph. It was like Steph is one of these guys that can like just really impact the game without being the focal point on offense, and then he can just swoop in for these like three or four minute periods and just demoralize you after after you've chased. Now they, the difference being from some of these Warriors teams in the past, you know, Poole has kind of moved into a guy that you legitimately have to worry about Wiggins you know obviously had a good series Wiggins I, I was pulling this up the the, the most that when the, these two teams the Celtics and the Warriors faced off in March I was telling you I was going to pull this up they held the war the Boston held the Warriors to 88 points but something was up with Draymond that game Wiggins didn't play Curry um, hurt his hand his foot that yes, was the game where, he, was hurt game where he hurt his foot Marcus yeah, Smart I just yeah. I just rewatched that game you, you get about a quarter and a half of kind of healthy-ish basketball, but Draymond was coming back, I think, from the back stuff, so he didn't he didn't check into the game for a while. So you can get, you know, I think you can get glimpses, but that's only high-level stuff. Like, I think that's just going to be your first half of game one starting point where you've got your base Warriors offense, which in a way never needs to change, but it is like the most adaptable playoff offense, I think, of the last decade. And then you have the Celtics defense, and you can almost describe the Celtics defense that way. They're going to come out with their base approach where they're switch heavy. They want to keep Rob Williams off the ball on the weak side against the weakest shooter so he can roam into the paint. Rob's health is going to be a huge factor in this series because of that. By the way, there's a play in that Warriors game in March where you can see like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. These guys are not cut out to chase little guys around screens for 20 seconds. That's what makes Golden State so hard to guard. And they get into some split cut action and boom, somebody backcourt backdoors Jalen Brown. You're like, oh man, the Warriors movement is hard to guard. And before you can get guard out of your mouth, Rob Williams has come over from 18 feet away and inhaled the ball off the backboard. And you're like, I I can't wait for this series. This is is amazing. That's something interesting. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, just that that core idea, what you're talking about, them forcing people to do things that they don't normally do defensively consistently. You know, Miami has a lot of similar kind of offensive concepts just without the horses, honestly, without the cutting. They they have the – the Warriors, the difference being that they have that consistent movement shooting upside that Miami just couldn't quite consistently do, especially without Hero being there and Duncan Robinson falling off 
uh, a plant uh, off a cliff this season. But um, yeah, they, Warriors they also have more just... two way guys, man. Like so, they, they, yeah. like they don't have to give it up on the other end to get it on on the offensive end. That that's the thing that really makes them different than Miami to me is that Miami had to make a choice: do we go offense and, and lose on defense? And Tyler Hero was hunted. And the Warriors are going to have this choice, I think, with, with Poole a little bit. And it, de- it depends on, you know, I think the Warriors do a better job of kind of hiding him and protecting him a little bit. But to your point, I, I do think that that could be a thing. Did you, did you have more to that? Kyle, you were. Yeah, yeah, I feel like no, you were. No, no, I, I think that was the thing I noticed really a lot when I was watching some of their young guys this year is that they're just really good at uh, putting bigs specifically, putting uh, fours and fives in positions to kind of come around screens or they'll run a pin down for some for like Wiggins or Kaminga or somebody and put like a four or five in a position to come around a screen and uh, those you know it's that's something that they do really well and then you, when they start making threes. Then they start hitting you with the backdoor actions. But the thing about like your your thing about like the Warriors or the Celtics having such a versatile uh, cover a lot of ground rim protector like Rob Williams, it does. It makes it interesting. I don't. I'm trying to think if they have the Warriors really faced. Well, you, you know, you got Jaron Jackson. I'm trying to think, but but uh, I was just trying to think you, if they'd face something similar to that in these playoffs. So that's one guy yeah. obviously that comes to yeah, mind. Yeah, no, but you have you have Jaron Jackson in Memphis, and Memphis happens to be the team that disrupted their offense the most by far of any of the previous opponents. So I do think, again, just the baseline, the Celtics are going to chip away at the offense. There's going to be stretches where it's harder to score. The overall scoring numbers outside of some crazy shooting luck, I think are going to be, I don't know if I had to pick a number off the top of my head, like 110, low 110s versus some of those much higher numbers we've seen. And then that flips it to the other side of like, so can the Celtics offense score enough against the way the Warriors defend. You know the Warriors are very good defensively, but again, it's gonna it's not gonna look like it just looked. And the Celtics offense is not great. Their 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 defense is great. But they've always been sneaky good enough on like when you look at their offensive numbers since the trade deadline, since the lineup shifts, when Tatum is healthy, etc., they're way higher than you expect. They're not great, but you're like, oh yeah, they 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 can do things on offense, and in this series, I just think they have to do just enough. And then, of course, it could come down to close games and experience and all that other stuff. But the baseline seems to be pretty tight. One question I get all the time is, Ben, how can I break into working in basketball? Or what are the best ways for me to deeper my understanding of the NBA? And my immediate answer is always sports business classroom. That is the good stuff. Two of our Thinking Basketball team members are actually SBC grads. And it's an immersive program that takes place inside Summer League in Las Vegas, where you'll get training in scouting, media, the salary cap, and analytics from industry leaders. Past instructors and guests include Commissioner Adam Silver, Mike D'Antoni, Masayu Jiri, Daryl Morey, Mike Breen, Zach Lowe, and more. This year's session runs from July 10th to 15th in Las Vegas. So if you're interested, check out sportsbusinessclassroom.com. And I have a discount for you. Enter the code THINKINGBASKETBALL at sign up and get $300 off. That's Thinking Basketball for $300 off. If you're interested, check it out today, sportsbusinessclassroom.com. Smart, Brown, and Tatum, I mean, those three guys on the court together, that's the key, right? Can they get 40 minutes 
of those three on offense, I I don't know, man. Marcus Smart, uh, the injury thing. I don't know if the ankle is right. The shot looked awful, and then the way he the way he played in the first half, it was like they had that lead, and he kept going for the home run. Early shot clock three. Can they get Marcus Smart to just play a little bit more conservatively? I think. Like, I, and I know that's a funny thing to say, but <laughs> that's been the question honestly, of the last <laughs> what eight years, right? But but I, then I, was, I actually think for Boston, they're going to get more transition opportunities. The Warriors just will not value the basketball. So you know Boston's going to be able to create turnovers. And if they can defend the three, get them missing shots, they're going to run on those. I think that's the the key for Boston in their offense is try not to try not to have to score in the half court. Yeah, but it's but Golden State has always had the same thing where their offense is spurned by their defense. When they get stops, live ball turnovers, long rebounds, they are so difficult to cross match in transition. They they kind of like that early offense, high you know quick high drag screen three point action. But then again, the Celtics, the Celtics are amazing at handling cross matches. You know that's the thing about this defense that's so incredible. That every starter got a vote for defensive player of the year for the Celtics. Like that <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Um, and then you look at how someone like Al Horford is playing, and. This, Dave, you said it earlier, the Warriors have always had an ace up their sleeve, which is give Steph Curry the ball, basically, and run ball screens for him, right? Um, you, are, are the Celtics going to hedge? Are they, Every other defense in the West either hedges or traps. They send two to Curry. I think Curry's been great this year about handling those, and then you're just drawing dead behind the play, basically. What if the Celtics don't have to do that? What if they come down in transition and, like, I mean, it seems weird to say because Curry can cook anybody in transition, but they're matched up with Al Horford and they, okay, this is our matchup. Let's set our defense. Al Horford's on Steph Curry. And the second a ball screen comes, we're going to switch to, you know, Grant uh, Williams or Marcus Smart or Jalen. Does it, I, it's, it's just an incredible. That's a murderer's row. Yeah. When you start looking at the, you could start with your least advantageous switch. Yeah. Like you were saying, that's a freedom that they have. I I think that Dave hit on something interesting though, is like, uh, how healthy, what do we think the health is going to be like in these games? I mean, um, where, where do we think smart is? Where do we think time Lord is, um, Ben, Ben, you probably, I feel like you'll probably have a better finger on the pulse for this. Uh, time Lord I'm concerned about because that knee had two injuries that somehow the media has dropped the ball on. It had the original meniscus surgery recovery, and then it had the injury in the Buck series where Giannis need the inside of his leg. That's why he missed those games. And so he just doesn't look like he's handling, like that just does not look like a happy knee right now. And as someone who's had some unhappy knees at certain points, like it, it's, I think it's harder for that to just go away overnight smart on the other hand i mean that guy is adamantium um i think he had three injuries in last night's game and that's why he starts chucking threes and things like that but i think he'll be pretty solid by the start of the series dave what are you you gonna say i think the long layoff is gonna help obviously um with 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 knees man you need downtime and they just got none they they played back-to-back seven game series i'm not shocked that Robert Williams looked like he could barely move in the game seven because he actually played pretty well for, for stretches in the series and, and, you know, I mean, won that Bam out of bio matchup head to head. Like if I'm, you know, being just very basic about it, I mean, he did a pretty good job out there. 
Um, I would think <laughs> having four that's days a, that's off. That's a kind way to say yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I think having four, four days man. off. And then another, you know, the game one is Thursday. Game two is Sunday. You know, that schedule is going to allow him to recuperate. I think we're going to see him as close to 100% as he can get right now. Like, he, this guy needs a couple months off. Uh, plain and simple. If he's going to play, though, I do think just having days off between games is going to be big. He'll probably be uh, able to be more active. And he is the, I can't call it one of their best players, the X Factor, but if I was going to name one, that's the guy. Because if he's healthy, I mean, it com- it changes their defense completely and makes them pretty formidable for the Warriors. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think his health is a huge factor in the series, in large part because I do think it's a relatively close series. I think this sort of dynamic of the way the offense matches up with the defense. This Now the Celtics, as I said earlier, maybe they don't handle movement super well, so maybe it's not going to be as overwhelming as when they have a stationary offense that they're going up against. I mean, that first round series against the Nets was... It was just like uh, a, a rush or something. So, you know, it was like adrenaline seeing, whoa, oh my God. When you let them sit in stationary set pieces, how do you score on them? Um, with all that said, the Nets made a ton of shots and had the highest offensive rating of anyone against the Celtics. And I think they're probably going to carry that uh, through. Through, But yeah, it's... Uh, that series was win in like... I, that feels like that was like a lifetime ago. It was that, seven months ago. Seri- yeah, that was like... I think that was December... Listen, man, these playoffs are long. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. And yet they're packed together probably two times, right? We Seriously. complain both ways. <laughs> we got to cut the regular season. All right, let me ask you guys a question. Uh, do you think that the Warriors can score in the mid-range against Boston? Because I think Boston's length is is so unique, and this Warriors team has not played a, a team like this maybe ever. And the mid-range, wow. man, they love they love it. I, I think it's a great question because I think it's been a huge part of their success and their adaptability. Um, I started talking about it earlier in the year. Steph Curry needing to add that third level has really made it much harder to defend him, both just in his basic scoring actions and then also in that pick and roll game that we alluded to earlier. But I mean, Dave Poole will get into a step back or a pull up in that area. Andrew Wiggins scores from that area. So Clay, I don't. Yeah, Clay Tom. I mean, you're making a compelling point that I think it's all probably going to be a little bit harder for them. How is Clay shot in the mid range this year? Coming off of uh, com- coming off of screens, I-, I don't have that in front of me. I'm trying to. Th- I-, I feel like he's been a little shakier. Like uh, he hasn't been as. I, I would see where uh, you maybe. If I was just guessing, I would say he's gotten better the last really? few weeks. Yeah, a few weeks. Okay, I would say he looked a little shaky there for a while. I I, I didn't have that shot chart or those numbers in front of me, but Yeah, but sometimes with Clay, it's it's uh the selection bias is heavy. Like the difference between a balanced good rhythm curl mid-range off a screen and and what he's been doing this season which is you know two wild dribbles and falling to his left off one leg he's like oh, he's like yeah. look i've taken i've t- i've eaten up my dribble quota i'm up to two dribbles and i either need to pass it or throw it at the basket the, I, throwing it of, at the basket seems a lot of mid-range post-up fadeaways too i mean let's, yeah. so those numbers are going to be skewed but I, I i i still like you know that that one dribble step into the elbow elbow jumper that they love. I mean, they lived on this, right? Like, so, you know, you mentioned Steph Curry adding that to his game, being able to take the couple dribbles in 
and take the shot that's given to him. I mean, when you have a great shooter like that, this is why the the arguments about the mid-range are just kind of nonsensical because if you have guys like this, okay, great, go score there. It's another tool in your in your tool belt, and they use it, I, I think, better than anybody. And But Boston is such a unique defense that I, I just don't think it's going to be there to the same degree. That's the question I have uh, about the Warriors' offense, which is not many because I do think the Warriors are going to have no problem scoring. I, at Boston, I, I have more question marks about their offense for sure. But the mid-range is, I think it's questionable for, for Golden State against Boston. Well, I'm surprised you would describe it as the Warriors are going to have no problem scoring. I think I think they're definitely going to be limited. And I think the, the real question just is, are they limited sort of they look like an average offense or are they limited that they now become another one of the Celtics victims? Um, the The series I think of, and it's not a parallel series, but... Both teams, you know, kind of don't map analogously to this series. But I think of the 2004 finals where the Pistons were heavy underdogs because people didn't realize how good they were defensively. And then right away in the first game of the series, you can see like, oh, okay, (laughs) this is this is not going to be easy for the Lakers. And it just never stopped. Golden State's more adaptive than that. So I don't again, I don't think it's going to be some defensive runaway here. But there's this has been a pattern where you get these great defenses in a final series. You get extra time to prep. You get extra days off in between. And it's just very hard. Like we talked about the 2008 Celtics earlier, like 2008 Celtics Lakers in the finals. It's just very hard to actually get your offense humming. So I, I think that's the big question for me. Uh, 40% in the long mid range for the, for the, for the Warriors in the playoffs. I just pulled that up, uh, off of, uh, dribble pull-ups. So I don't know who's actually taking these shots though. I don't have that pulled up in front of me, but just wanted to toss that in there for you as a team. Not Kevon Looney. Right? Not Kevon like, Looney. Yeah. He's not taking those. He's the smartest he, player in the game. He did hit one against the Mavs. Didn't he hit like a no dribble? Just like, yeah, I'll shoot this. Fuck you guys. And he, and he hit it. I feel like, I feel like that happened. I wouldn't put he anything can- past Looney. He he can make one of those 16-footers every once in a while. I mean, Looney's an interesting question because you're coming off a series where his size and his ability to clean up, um, even his short roll passing was was a thing. Celtics like to play bigger. They like to play with Horford and Rob Williams on the court at the same time. You know, is this a Looney series or do you see fire and ice? Do you see Draymond at center trying to play speed? Um, you know, that, that new death lineup with Wiggins, like, like these are the things that to me feel a little bit more like a black box beyond game one. Like what does the series look like by game five? That kind of thing. Draymond starting at the five, right? By game three. Is that what, I mean, I, I don't, is that where you, is that what you think? Well, Looney's it, mobility, is it going to be challenged in this? That's what I'm worried series? about. Yeah. Uh, how many times is Horford going to beat him off the dribble off the pop right before it's like, Oh, Okay. No, we got to go smaller. Um, Gary Payton coming back opens things up for the Warriors, right? Like it, it is actually kind of gives them more options. Uh, let's see what Otto Porter looks like because Otto Porter has given him some spot minutes at that four-five guy and been pretty good, even as a rim protector. So I, I think that likely it, it, a lot of this is going to depend how's Rob Williams look, but Horford could be the guy because I think Looney would probably guard Horford. Most likely, I guess it, it it depends. Depends on what Boston's uh, what Boston's doing. But is that is Gary Payton back? It I, I looks like he's tracking to be back. Okay, that, this okay. is uh, you know 
per reporters. Huh. Who do we uh, – are we going to – how much Draymond Grant Williams are we going to get? That's what I'm excited about. Oh, my. <laughs> this, God. The, the SEC and Kyle just wants to see how this goes <laughs> for Grant Williams, right? <laughs> Will Grant screw this up somehow? Tune in. The numbers are huge down here in Kentucky for that. <laughs> That's wait, how they wait. should tease the game. What do you think is going to happen? Kentucky. I'm, I'm just teasing. I don't know. I mean, who uh, – yeah, who, who's on – I think the Wiggins Tatum thing. I mean, I assume Wiggins is on Tatum. I mean, Gotta I think be. that's going to be interesting. What do we What do we think about that match- matchup? Yeah, I do think Wiggins will start on Tatum. I again, I think these teams that like to switch, and I would describe the Celtics and the Warriors as both implementing hybrid zone concepts in their base defensive principles. That primary matchup means less and less in those systems. Yeah, right. So it's like yes. Wiggins on Luca or Wiggins on, um, in this case, Tatum is something you're probably going to start with and might be, you know, comfortable for Golden State. Wiggins, I, I think his on ball defense against big wings is fantastic, basically, at this point. But screen comes, a couple screens come, you get into the first, second action in the set. That's not the guy who's necessarily involved anymore, especially the way the Celtics are probably going to try to target and switch hunt as the series moves on, whether it's pool, whether it's a big man, they think they can do it against. Although I think the most likely candidates are Curry. And then when he's out there pool and you kind of drive the offense that way. And then the warriors have to respond with how they're going to protect him. If it's going to be the hard hedge we've seen, whatever, something like that. I think we'll probably steal more pre-switching by the war, by the warriors. Um, One of the things that they did, great in their series against the Mavs was how much, you know, uh, they were pre-rotating, right? So they they were ready just for every single action the Mavs was, were throwing out there. And, and I think for Boston, they'll be similar. I'm, I don't know, man. I, I think with the way Tatum likes to settle for the step back, Wiggins is, I, I think Wiggins is going to do a good job. And then if you switch him off, okay, great. Because I don't, I don't trust Tatum to ben. consistently attack the switch. Okay. Ben smiling. So, well, yeah, because I think I think even if I were to lay out the series and say, boy, it looks like the efficiencies are going to be similar. So you're going to have a competitive series. Those kinds of series, you get two, three close games. The team that wins the close games win the series. This What you're describing to me is part of why the Celtics offense, and I don't have the numbers on it, but it's certainly at the end of the last series, it certainly feels like it can bog down. Um, in game six, I especially felt it in the Eastern Conference Finals, where they take like 14 seconds to get into an action. And sometimes this goes back to even, you know, LeBron's calves. The difference is LeBron James is the fellow with the basketball, you know, not even Jason Tatum. It's like, you wait, oh, call, bring this guy up for the screen. No, you didn't hear me. Bring this other guy up. Oh, they pre-switch. Try again. And, and there's one pass in there from like smart. Now there's eight seconds on the shot clock. The whole action's dead. And to your point, Dave, that's not Tatum's strength because he's not great going to the basket in a lot of circumstances. And so you're looking for the step back. At this point, you might be looking to draw contact. Um, late clock situations, it can be psychologically much harder to make the skip pass. Right, you got six on the shot clock. You feel the low defender come over. I don't want to throw a cross court skip pass in time pressure. So I wonder how those things manifest in this series against a defense that's as smart and connected as the Warriors. They've been pre rotating all year, and 
if that is something that really makes a difference if the games are close. Well, they take away the Warriors also take away the next pass and they because they want to bait you into the skip pass. Steph Curry, I mean, listen, man, guy's the steel king because he he's baiting him. He hides, you know, um, I, I think that that is a legitimate question mark. Jason Tatum and when he's when he's doing a good job as a playmaker, obviously they, their offense looks better. But Wiggins is he's shown to to be able to handle the pressure of guarding a guy. And what he did against Luca, I thought was great. Even though you know Luca gave him the business, the idea was he took away everybody else from Luca. Right. Luca didn't have the options because Wiggins was there. Luca's going to score. That wasn't the the game plan. Wasn't go out and stop Luca from scoring. Uh, just make it hard. I, I think that Tatum doesn't have the playmaking chops that Luca does. I don't think that's a hot take. Scorching. If his shots, if his shots falling though, all right. Well, they're going to look good, but I do worry about that. Um, and he's, then he's got more downhill, like dribble, pull up, move you around, get into your like. Luca's kind of like I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm gonna move you around and take a step back or make the short roll pass. It's kind of a flip thing, whereas like Tatum, I think is a little quicker to get into his into his jumper in the mid range and things like that, and relocating. Lucas, just we as we know, super deliberate. The other thing too is that like the Warriors when they were playing the Mavs, they knew how limited those spot up guys were. They knew where the passes were coming from. Draymond, we we talked about you know Steph play, freelancing and getting those steals. Draymond is one of the best computers in the world for this kind of stuff. So it's like you think about combining Jason's like challenges out front as a playmaker and then figuring how how sophisticated Draymond is on that front. That's going to be an interesting chess game for me. Just watch watching the stresses of Tatum's development versus the strengths of of Golden State's defense. I I think the Celtics offense is at its best when they're they're not playing Tatum like Luka. There's similarities sometimes in how those offenses go about things, and you get this kind of classic pick and roll. I want to target somebody. I'm a big forward. I think they're at their best when Horford touches it at the top. Smart is in it because Smart's their best passer. And so you get Smart and Horford making extra passes. Brown's off ball, and so you get his strengths as a shooter or a cutter or attacking a closeout. And then even Tatum, it's the same style of success for him that we've been talking about. Pull up threes, coming off a pick and roll, quick mid. But if he does it fast, right, right, that's where everything is good for them. I think when it slows down, they have a problem. I, I like when they use Tatum the way that Phoenix sometimes used Booker. Get him on the move, get him catching the ball on the move, get him uh, involved in an action, not just starting with a dribble. And he yep. is has been fantastic at giving the ball up and relocating and I like this guy that's a game changer that's for, been a leap for, for him yeah yeah his motor off ball second third efforts you know we talk about that on defense on offense it's true too Tatum seems to have realized I'm infinitely harder to guard when I get rid of it and then I give those second go go ahead though and, well, no, 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 you, you're good I mean he, <laughs> he did it for 46 minutes is, is my thing yeah. right like didn't go in all the time and it was game seven right he had dead legs but that sort of stuff, that equals success for Jason Tatum. And, and, I mean, the best moments of his career have come when he's playing with other guys instead of just trying to be the solo guy. And, you know, that that's the key to the series for Boston is can Jason Tatum continue to, to be a playmaker for the team? And it's a secondary you, guy. 
you were talking about like getting him in momentum, kind of the way they do Booker. I mean, they had some success against Milwaukee with that, where they were screening him in the backcourt and get him on the get him with momentum. I think you got to make Golden State guard you. I don't think that you can play this like straight up chess game because we saw. Uh, I, we saw that, like I was. This is just an extension of the point I just made, I guess. But uh, you got You got to make them. Um, you you can't just pound the ball and, and expect um, and expect that to work in the same way because uh, that's the thing that they can cash in on is that Tatum is a guy who not only can be a big time ISO score, but he has that element of like he can be a movement shooter. He, you know, I just I, I wonder how that's going to play out for them. If you want to walk right into the Warriors' plans. By all means, don't start your offense until 12 seconds left on the shot clock. Oh, you, we only have to defend for 12 seconds? Great. You know, it's they they can't walk the ball up. They need to run on makes. I mean, they really need to pressure them. Now, the, the one concern is they don't have a lot of depth. I don't know. When you say they don't have, you say they, you mean the Celtics? Celtics, yeah. They, they've got seven guys, Peyton six. Pritchard disagrees. Se, se, yeah, seven. they have seven and a half. <laughs> Whoever can... You know, give them spot minutes in certain times, um, P- Pritchard or whatever. But I, I think it's interesting you mentioned depth because Derek White could be another big X factor for them in this series. On one hand, you, it's we don't have to explain how White could struggle in the series. I think. On the other hand, if it's the kind of thing where they struggle with the chasing actions and all the movement. I think you add White out there. He's your second best guy at that behind Marcus Smart. And so now it's one of those things where, man, the 28 to 35 minutes a game, I have White. Maybe that's our most successful lineup as long as he's able to, you know, function and, and hit shots and play well on the other end. Um, what, what do you guys think about that? Because I, I, I just keep going back to that. What's it going to look like by game four? And is Golden State going to have enough success with their sort of spread you out and move constantly thing? Is Jordan Poole has been just f- transcendent off the bench. I've heard people give him the nickname Microwave. That's Vinny Johnson's old nickname from the Pistons because he'd come in and heat up right away. Poole is his true shooting percentage in the postseason is in the 70. It's, it's like 75 yeah. percent or something. Yeah, you were talking about, I mean, the difference between the Warriors and the Heat. I don't know if I need to spell this out. but uh, <laughs> It's a minor, minor difference. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, White had a lot of success. You were talking about, Dave, you were talking about earlier how Miami kind of had to pick and choose. They were like, well, we got to we gotta score the fucking ball. Like, we got to figure out a way to score. And that was sort of a, like they played into a, the, a moment that I thought was a checkmate in the series. I did not, I thought it was going to be over because um, – Boston was just like saying, staying super attached over all of those like uh, uh, screens, and White was phenomenal at that. The difference being is that like the Warriors have these, they have more back cutting number one, but they also have guys that can come over those screens and make plays where Miami didn't. Like Struess and uh, you know Duncan, they tried to trot Duncan out there. Oladipo is you know inconsistent up and down. Lowry, you're dependent on him making, you know, drawing fouls and things like that. The Warriors are a little bit of a different animal on that front. So uh, that that dynamic is is pretty interesting in its difference. Yeah. How many different Warriors had a little bounce pass drop off inside assist to to Kevon Looney in the series against the Mavs? Right. Like everybody. Clay had at least two. Uh, Wiggins had a couple. Draymond had a couple. Steph had. a This is just what they do. They break the defense down. Oh, and then you do a good job. And oh, uh, our smart big is going to be the recipient of all this work because he stepped up into the right spot. So 
they just make you make all these different decisions. And I, I'm with you about Derek White. I, I think that having another guy who can chase is going to be huge. Marcus Smart won't be able to do that for 45 minutes a game. But you might need two guys who can chase. And I, I'll tell you right now, uh, what about Marcus Smart guarding Draymond some so that when they do try to do that step up and get and get Steph switched or or send a double, maybe you're sending Marcus Smart instead of you know Derek White or Horford or whoever. I think Derek White allows you to potentially match up with the small a little bit for the Warriors. That's that's really interesting. You, I could see Ooh. that with uh, Jason Rod Tatum on at the, the five. Well, well, certainly, like Grant Williams uh, was <laughs> oh, going to play the five. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. He didn't play for the Warriors, so no. Yeah, yeah. Man, but, what if the but Warriors Derek White, Tatum? I think Derek White could allow them to to play a little bit smaller, right? Like they could do Grant Williams at the five, or maybe you're just going Horford. But but having two guys that can chase. Uh, that, that you're not worried about getting caught. I mean, they can guard Steph Curry at least, you know, credibly as as far as anybody can guard Steph Curry. Um, they're not giving it up easy. And, and I don't know. I, I think that Derek White. This could be a big Derek White series. Plus, he's got the he's riding the baby bump. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's got father superpowers. Him and Kyle Mann. Um, but the 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 thing about this series, it feels so. One thing about Golden State poking holes in you, I think as you see their actions over the course of a series, because it's so rare to see it in the rest of the league, you do get a little bit more attuned to, oh, yeah, that's right, there's going to be a back cut and a stagger and we want to switch this. And So by game four, five, six, you should be a little better at just handling the mo- the movement, even if you're not great at handling movement, even if you're Jalen Brown and off-ball you know, stuff isn't your forte as a defender. Um that to me suggests that game one is a hu- some game ones. It's it's data collection. It doesn't matter. This game one feels big because the baseline that's set right. If just the way these teams come out with their standard approach and the Celtics already have some success, then I would get nervous if I were a Warriors fan. On the flip side, if game one comes out and the Warriors look like they're like Brown and Tatum and Smart are all yelling at each other after the fourth Kevon Looney dunk on a cut down the lane or something, then it's like, ooh, now Boston is going to have to find a way to bridge that gap. So it feels like a big game one game uh, series to me. Okay, but does anybody think Boston, from an energy standpoint, has a, has a good chance of being up for game one coming off this back to back seven game series four days off. And by the way, I'm not, not saying that they won't. I am worried about them though. They got to fly across the country. I mean, this is like, this is the point where you really have to get into the, wow, look at the lift that they've got. And then the warriors have had quite a bit of time off, which could be good or bad for them. As we know, waiting around can be, can be tough. It can be just as bad as playing. I'd almost rather just play immediately <laughs> as opposed yeah. to like the time off. Um, just my personal preference, but I haven't played in a seven game series and had to, you know, cross time zones. That's a whole other animal. Yeah. I mean, we've just seen it already, right? Like, I mean, I think the Mavericks looked exhausted mm-hmm. by the time they got to, to Golden State. I, I think the Suns looked exhausted by the time they got to that series with the Mavs. I actually think Boston looked exhausted against Miami, and, and I think the Warriors have just looked kind of fresh. And I do think that's going to be a factor. We, we already know that fatigue is a, a real factor, and 
I don't know if three or four days off is enough. I don't know what the science says. That's why I'm asking the scientist if he knows. I don't know. I, I, I mean, you'd have to know what's yeah, going on with the well, players. Is, I, I mean, but just on. something to watch, right? Like if, if the energy out of the gate, if, if Boston basically looks like they don't have their legs under them, I wouldn't be shocked. And the Warriors but, are going to come out throwing haymakers. I don't know yeah, how much I read into the into the game one either, though, because it's like the B- Boston's versatility can give you this mis- misleading thing of like even if the Warriors do come out and jump on them, that's what you want. You want that pliability with your personnel, with with the way you can scheme defensively and the options that you have. I don't know. I don't know how much I'm going to read into that because B- Golden State has the ability to their variance is like they can pile it on, as we know. And it can be, I, I could see it being misleading. I could see Golden State coming out and jumping on them. You know, you put these guys in a totally different situation defensively, having to communicate differently. Like you were talking about, like them arguing on like the 10th back cut or whatever it is. I don't know. That'd be kind of my prediction right now. I feel like that, that could be what happens in game one. Uh, but I wouldn't read too much into it if it does happen is what I was going to say. So let me, let me be clear. The score doesn't necessarily matter. It's right. the quality of the shots and the actions. Right. And, and I think, Dave, to your point, the Celtics aren't a speed quickness team. Um, they're bigger. You know, Tatum, we forget Tatum because it's like the modern NBA, but Tatum's still a big guy. He's six eight. Uh, he doesn't, you know, have crazy lateral agility, horizontal movement. So it's one of those things where you're going to be texting me and you're going to be like, they look tired. And I'm just going to respond and go, no, they look slower. And they right? are. That's right. The, I mean, that's they the are. Rub. Yeah. Definitely going to be stouter. Slower. Yeah, they don't like uh, that is an interesting point. They don't have the but the th- you know to flip that the other way is that like Bam is really rangy and strong and lanky. Jimmy is too. Um you think about and 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 that's still, you know, they were still able to work with that. Uh it's just Boston Boston is an interesting collection of athletes. Like we think about we think about how versatile Tatum is for how big he is. Um but he is he is a little upright. Yeah, he definitely. I mean, he's probably more suited to be uh, he's. I don't even think he's as like elastic as like Wiggins. I would. I wouldn't say. I think no, Wiggins is way no. bendier. And I, I think that you know, we, Tatum's defensive strengths I think are more likely to pop when he's on an island because he's smart. He's positionally pr- pretty clever. Um, then, then as opposed to like he's moving around, closing gaps. You know, not like a Jaden McDaniel type guy. You know, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, um, he's he's beefy. Yeah, he's <laughs> big shoulders. He does have big shoulders, man. He went on the Dwight so, Howard pool workout program. <laughs> so, Kyle, um, I, I sounds like Dave. Dave feels more comfortable. He's leaning Warriors in this series. That's where your head is at, Dave. Is that fair? To I say? mean, do they have Steph Curry? They have Steph Curry. Then, yeah, I'm yeah. leaning Warriors. He's the Western. He's the first ever Western Conference Finals MVP winner. Unanimous. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kyle, are you in the same space? We've, we've talked it out for who's the about war- an hour here. Who's the Western uh, award named after? We know birds. Magic Johnson. Ir- Ir- oh, Irvin. Yeah. Of course. That makes so much. sense. By the way, can I just uh, listen? I, I made a joke Please. about the the Larry Bird trophy looking nothing like Larry Bird. Why doesn't it look like Larry Bird? Come Why on! Just have I mean, a big do you have to pay him for likeness rights? Who cares? Come on! Yeah. These are icon- like icons of the sport. Make a trophy that resembles those guys. Ben, I, what 
What would the trophy look like? That's what I was going to say. What is what is Bird doing? Over the head jumper, and for magic, for magic, it would maybe be like the no look. It'd be this one, or the the, yeah. yeah, I mean, the the, on the fast break, holding the ball in front of him. It's more fun. Like I'm sorry, man, but like I feel bad that Jason Tatum, who is himself becoming a Celtics legend, is going to have whatever this. I don't know. It looked like a a pint glass with a ball on top. Uh, meant yeah. to be a ball in a net, and instead he could have a Larry Bird on his mantle. Come on, what are we doing? I, Retroactively not fix o- this. Not only do I think it should be Larry Bird stroking a jumper over his head, I think he should be in the warm up, the oh, warm up yeah. from oh, the three point, point contest. contest. Yeah, yeah either that or or take a screen grab from the time he dropped uh, forty or whatever with his left hand against the Hawks. Yeah, or he's like leaning out of bounds. Yeah. I think he should be smoking a cigarette. I think in on the on the <laughs> I think trophy, he's, he's shoveling his gra- his mother's driveway. <laughs> yeah, he has, that's, that's he's, he's down, <laughs> hunched down, and there's a shovel. <laughs> that's terrible. We've, no, I we've, think we've yeah, we've reached the tipping point on this podcast. There is oh, no God. digression with this group. I disagreed. I, there is no digression. There are just we're finding, we're discovering creation oh, yeah. is discovery. Uh, I think that we were talking about Dave. You mentioned. The droughts, the droughts, uh, those two things the, the do the Clark Kellogg like spurtability thing. You know, I'm going to say it, even though I, I, you know, like it's worn out. Um, you pit those two things against each other. I think they're really interesting because the Warriors, they're not going to bail you out by just like fumbling around and fucking up and not scoring. If you if they get on one of their spurts, I I, I always like to go look at like the runs and kind of the lineups. Uh, the popcorn, what is it called? Popcorn.net. I like look at that lineup tool. I really enjoy. They have an ability to punish you. If, if the, if the Celtics do continue, recreate this thing that they did against the heat, why are you smiling? It would never been smile. What, what is this smile? What is this? My, <laughs> my, my dog's been staring out the window at a squirrel, uh, voraciously hilarious, for the last, like seven straight minutes. Um, with, with, with the intensity of like, Kobe Bryant on the bench getting yelled at by Chris Rock and just laser focus. So continue your point, Kyle. That's that gotcha. was yeah, what it, has ben me cracking have, up. He, ben doesn't have the the concentration skills of his dog, who is just no. locked in on the squirrel. The Which, irony. by the way, I also yeah. have a squirrel dog. My dog would be doing the same thing. So I get it. But right, um, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting wrinkle. I don't think it's like the like one thing. I, I just think that's going to be something to get because Steph Curry. Yeah, he's Steph Curry, best right. player in the in the series. I think you know, like that. How much of a thing is that in this series? The Warriors can I, just they can avalanche you really, really fast, really fast. And the Celtics have just shown. I mean, they went what was it a nine zero run at the end of that game before Jimmy Butler missed the three with about fourteen seconds left. It was a nine zero run that they they just gave up. They were not getting any offense at all. It wasn't just that Miami was hitting shots. It was that Boston wasn't even getting good looks. And it just, they take too long to get into their late game offense. They just stop running stuff. They get a little too tight. And I think that the difference in this series is the Warriors have the experience there. I don't expect the Warriors to get tight. I think they're going to run their stuff no matter what. Can the Celtics stick to that? That's the gift and the curse of the way they play, right? They play freely. They play so freely that you know they burn their own house down sometimes in the in the in the way that they play with fire. They'll burn you or burn themselves. But 
I mean, you think about the teams at Boston. This is a chance for Boston's defense to kind of cement itself as something we talk about for years and years here because they played against a heliocentric – heliocentric? I always sound country when I say that. But they played against a, a, a team that wasn't firing with the Bucks. They played, you know, and they played against the Nets, a team that was like a tough shot-making team. This is a different animal. This is this is going to be the boss-level test for this defense that's been so phenomenal. Um, and it's a chance – it's it's a chance that with their ability to kind of keep their plants watered throughout the game and the variance and like not letting the you know Golden State run away from them during those stretches, I'm excited about this. I'm really really excited about this. Let me ask a question because you you guys are more into the history of the NBA than I am, uh, you, and you're more knowledgeable. Does this if Steph wins this title, does this oh. change things? Like because. Personally, and I know that I'm biased because Steph Curry is the most fun basketball player I've ever watched, and and I lean toward fun. He's also, you know, one of the most talented. But does this change? Like, is he a top five guy with this title? Oh, Ben, <laughs> I think that's just like a lob ball to Ben. Go ahead. Oh, it is. It is. Well, it doesn't ch- like the actual winning of the title for me, as you guys know, doesn't change much. I think what's so fascinating about this narrative and one of the reasons why I've been all over Golden State this season is it's a very rare instance, maybe the only instance in NBA history of a dynasty that was like paused and needs this bookend for people to go retroactively, oh, oh, okay, wait, it's been a dynasty the whole time, and the key to the dynasty is Steph Curry, and then Draymond Green, and Steve Kerr, and Clay Thompson, and their system, and et cetera, et cetera. Whereas when it left, a lot of people just went, well, that's over. It was Kevin Durant, and he needed to be there. And so this sort of ability to go back and retrofit this new information, not just on a single team or a single championship team, but literally a dynasty, right? This team has made six straight finals with this core. Two of those finals were with Kevin Durant at full health. The other four, remember in 2019, Durant left in the middle of the Houston series, their biggest challenger. They exploded. Um, They were actually outscored, I think, with Durant on the court in that series. They had big positives with out Durant and with Curry and Draymond on the floor. Then they swept Portland. You know, it's easy to look back and be like, well, we all knew that was coming. No, that was not a guaranteed situation because of the fact that they had hollowed out the roster and replaced it with Durant. And by the time you get to 2019, you had, uh, you know, Jonas Jerebko, Quinn Cook, Alfonso McKinney, um, the, the corpse of Andrew Bogut at the end for him out, coming out of retirement, DeMarcus Cousins coming off his, his injury. Like, it was, it was that team by that point. It was the Slava Medvedenko Lakers. And then immediately when they get back together, they go to another finals. And that does a lot already. But if they win the title, I think for a lot of people, it will change their perspective on the entire period in a way that puts them up with the 90s Bulls and even Russell Celtics in the 60s. And then to your point, Dave, for some folks who like to count such things, it's like, well, wait a second. Steph Curry now has four championship rings in the decade. Who was the other, like all-time level multi-MVP player of this era. It's LeBron James. How many championships does LeBron James have? Four. 
Did he go? What did he go to ten finals or something? I mean, now Curry's gone to six straight finals with this core. I don't know if it gets him top five for a lot of people, but it. I think that story is going to force a lot of folks to change their assessment of it and be way more comfortable. Dave, you've been there for three, like the first podcast we ever did, Kyle. Dave came on the show and he's like, Steph Curry, top 10 player of all time. Yeah. yeah. It was like four, it was like four years. He was like, yeah, so, I felt that way after yeah. uh, 2015, 16. I mean, I, this guy, I just, uh, there's not been a player like him ever. Yeah. And now yep. I, yep. I've actually changed the way that I talk about the top list because I, I haven't done the work that you guys do. Um, so I I remember Kareem when I was a kid. I don't know if he was any good. He was old, right? So I stopped <laughs> counting guys like Kareem and Bill Russell. And and I focus more on like the modern era, which is to me a better way to – I mean, as Ben, you know, you like com- cross-era comparison is tough. You got to have a rubric. And even that rubric is like, okay, I've got to throw all these other ingredients in to make it work. And whereas here I can compare sort of like to like. And to me – in this modern era, and I, I shouldn't count Jordan, but I can't help myself. Jordan is the best player of all time to me, but like in this modern era, it's LeBron, and then it's Tim Duncan or Steph, and I don't know which I'd have second or third. I think Curry and and the Warriors win this title. I'd probably say it's Steph right behind LeBron, and then Tim Duncan after that. Which, you know, I mean, you want to talk about two guys that. Very, I mean, to me, very similar demeanor and just career generally. Like, you know, you talk about a dynasty. Tim Duncan's whole career was a dynasty. And I think yeah. Steph Curry is in the similar vein, man. This isn't the last one, I don't think. I think they can that do it again next was, year. That was, you were talking, Ben, you were talking about precedent with like um, the Bulls. And uh, I think that the Spurs are an interesting comparison i think you, you think about the way they were able to extend their window yeah you, i guess you could start it with 99 but like ginobili and parker getting in place by the by the 05 06 07 range they're extending all the way to 14 and really still being good all the way to 16 i mean they were in the hunt you know if you think about Kawhi, if Kawhi doesn't get hurt these lulls are important, I think. I think, and it's it's even more fascinating when you think about the lull that the Warriors had as a result of injuries, as a result of Durant moving on, and things like that. In terms of like where Curry falls historically, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of like the the cumulative like stat thing is tough to do because if you're just going by that, um, I don't know that I would end up in the same place. But this is something, Ben. I feel like every time I come on this show, we talk about th- this, like emulative ripples in basketball Steph is one of the primary bullet points I think and I I think what what's really interesting for me that I've been kind of pondering this season is there's been a cyclical thing where we we the the macro kind of way to look at basketball is we we came in and no one could self-create ball had to be moved that was the beauty of the game we move towards the rules relaxing self-creation becomes more of a thing some of the guys on the cumulative stats if they couldn't self-create like that, who knows if they hit those heights? You know, who knows if if they amass the amount of points? Kareem still does because he he's not you know dribbling the ball as much. But we're ending up in this place where we went really far in that direction. We went super super far. Jordan becomes the the guy who like impresses on it. What was the joke I made to you, Ben? I was like, basketball is about the the triumph of the individual over the group. <laughs> or you know, like what a funny weird way. Like basketball is at war with itself in a way when we when we look at it that way. Steph, no, you guys know. I think I mean basketball is a communist sport, and it's at its best it when it's played that way. 
Yes. Well, well, Mike Mike Prada has a great line for this. He says basketball is both a team and individual sport, and I think that sums up the tension perfectly. But but Kyle, you were going to say something yeah. about Steph that I was on bated breath. Steph to me is joy because he brings he is the superstar the anti-usage superstar that i that been i know you've rejected that term but we haven't seen and we i know we've talked about in our thread about like gravitational impacts all time who who are the greatest gravitational impacts all time Shaq was the big one obviously lebron lebron wants you to double him i don't know if i don't know but we can get into that but like steph i to me is a positive force i think in terms of like the movement of the the thirty thousand foot view of basketball because of this because he's the he's the guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands but he can still kill you he's the guy who encourages ball movement and we've circled all the way back to the original spirit of the of the game to me which is awesome i think you know so that that's kind of where i feel about steph i think he's Hugely important to the history of the sport. If you were telling the story of the sport, not the league, but the sport, it would take, and let's just say you were doing this at a basketball game, taking someone who'd never seen the sport before, and you were trying to attribute everything that happens to a person. It would take, what, 15 seconds before you were like, oh, yes, that's because of Steph Curry. He literally changed the sport at every single level. You know, we can do a lot of comparison of Shaq and Steph Curry. Because it's similar, like similar impacts from different spaces. The truth is, though, Shaq, his thing came from being Shaq. Now, Steph Curry comes from being big. Steph Curry, but yeah. other players can emulate that. He literally caused the sport to evolve. If that guy, I mean, maybe I'm thinking about things a little bit differently than everyone else, and that's we know that that is usually how it goes. But that guy is one of the most important people to ever touch a basketball. Period. Okay. All right. So all that loves you. Well, all that no, all that's no, all that's true. Okay. But what's fascinating to me and goes back to your question about winning the championship is that the Kerr. So there's 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 Stephen Curry and there's Steve Kerr, the the curriest of systems. Um, they almost have the same name. It's awesome. Um, so I think this is the curriest team of all the Steve Kerr teams. And what's and, and I would also 15? say, in my assessment, it is the weakest Steph Curry season we've seen since Kerr got there in terms of these championship uh, runs that they've made. His, he's not the same player he was in 16 or even in 19. He does some things better. It's probably his best defensive season. I think some of his passing and decision-making has been great. But, you know, he's a little slower. He's a little older. His shot isn't as potent. Is this... With all that... Is is this yeah. kind of the uh, like Brando and Apocalypse Now thing where it's like he's not still Brando, but the power of Brando is you know what I mean like it, the it, power yeah, of Brando no, it, has it, it power is. and you can't underestimate. It but the point I'm making here and the the place I'm going on Dave's question is what's it actually going to take? Yes, he's changed the sport and the dimensions of the sport and little kids trying to hit thirty footers and all that stuff, spread picker, all that stuff. But what's it going to take? for teams to actually copycat the Warriors because we see some of the same actions shared across the league, but no one yet has gone out and been like, nope, this is how we play. It is motion all the time. It is to you. I'll use your term here, Kyle, because I think it's perfect. It is anti-usage. It is just egalitarian. Everyone can touch it. We're going to, we're going to just cut and flow and read and react. 
in a sport like American football in the NFL, you win with something new, it gets copycatted. Most of the time in basketball, if you bring in a new scheme or strategy, it gets folded into the next season and people pick it up. But this is a this is a lifestyle, man. This is a commitment. It is. And we haven't seen superstars commit to it yet at any level, basically. And we haven't seen a team commit to it yet. And that's what I'm fascinated by. I was we talked, Dave, we talked about this on your show. Uh, this is a culture culture trickles down is one of my things I say in basketball all the time. It, it applies everywhere in life. Um, getting guys to, to buy in to do it is a thing, number one. But the, the Warriors have that culture. Um, the best players on their team are fully bought into it. The core of it, and it trickles down, and that's how they're able to do that. To do it, A, you need to have the skill to justify doing it efficiently. And, you know, in the short term, I just don't think – I don't know if we're going to see that, number one. I don't know how long – maybe not as long as in the past because the game's iterating so fast. But then number two, it's just um, finding guys that are willing to do it consistently and I, uh, are willing to give that kind of multiple effort culture thing. And I don't know. I don't know when we're going to see that again. I mean, I'm going to compare him to Tim Duncan again, right? It's ego. It's well, ego. These guys, it, yeah. listen, man, having the ball in your hands, guess what? You make more money. You get the shoe it, deal. Yep. You're in the commercials. Like, you're doing the dunk contest. Like, you're doing more stuff. And it is the money part of it is the difference, right? Now, Steph Curry well, I, has shown that you don't have to be the guy with the, you know, with the ball in your hands in the Gatorade commercial to actually make money off the court. I hope that other people see that. Winning is the stuff that matters. So there's an interesting connection in my head back to those 60s Celtics with Bill Russell, which is that he did it differently. He did it differently at the time moving forward in time, and he did it differently if we ran the NBA backwards in time because we would have all these great scorers and wing players and you know all these guys who put up 35 points a game and play hero ball and isolation and magic and larry with their passing and then bill russell just stands there is like no you can in his era it was actually that important and that successful to play defense like that in today's game with the warriors i think still because it's a different thing people have a hard time processing like how to interpret it so it helps Curry that he has these records. It helps Curry that he can make these crazy shots. It helps Curry that he can average 30 points a game. But even that aside, like look at all the criticism Steve Kerr takes. I have to say, the more I've tried to study the history of X's and O's, um, the more I think Steve Kerr is one of the best basketball coaches ever. And a lot of that is combining facets of coaching, ego management, player management, preparation throughout the season to get your system as adaptable and resilient and flexible as possible. And then once you get into a playoff series, being willing to make adjustments and go in any direction. And yet the guys criticized like f- from Warriors fan. It's a, he's constantly well, it's criticized whenever there's the smallest bump. It's Anderson Varejao, man. You know, what that. did he do? He played, he played Anderson Varejao in, in game seven of the finals. And that was that's really where it stems from. It, it comes from the failures. But that's what, right. And, but that's exactly that's what it. I'm saying. P- people over index on the failures. Reductive. It throws yeah. people, um, people who run fantastically smart podcasts, who don't see the smallest little glitch in the Warriors and jump right off the bandwagon. And I'm saying, I think part of this at this point is because it's just its own unique thing. If we watch, if you watch whether it's Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, whatever, like think of the, think of an ama- Kobe Bryant, think of an amazing 
ISO mid-range score. And you got to get him the ball and get a bucket and get out of the way late in the game. You watch a guy make 45% of those shots, and you know what your brain does? It says he was dominant. He dominated. We, we know he's going to miss some of those, but did you see those three daggers he put right in Rajah Bell's grill? You watch this team play like this, and Dave, you said it earlier perfectly. They poke, they poke, they poke, and then the dam breaks. You know what people do when they poke and it doesn't work? They're like, see, it doesn't work. And then you're like, well, what about, what about when they scored 50 points in like 20 minutes? You're like, yeah, they do that sometimes. It's not that good. <laughs> you're like, actually, actually, the total number of points per possession is 130. Uh, it's very good. Anyway, I don't know what you guys think about this, but it's been bouncing around in my brain for a while. Well, I mean, I think it's like uh, being way too focused on every single play and not enough on the rhythm of the entire game. And that's where Steve Kerr coaches his ass off. He knows the, the story of the game. He can, he can tell you what's happening. The other, uh, what was it? Uh, was it game five uh, of the series against the Mavs? Ste- uh, Steve Kerr uh, normally subs. If you, tell us, if you tell us what we're thinking, yeah, yeah. We, can, we can tell you the tell game. What, yeah, what I'm thinking. Steph Curry normally subs back in. His normal substitution pattern in the, in the fourth quarter is at the six-minute mark. We all know it because the Warriors fans remind us constantly. Well, he's not coming in until six minutes. Not coming in. Okay. So Steve Kerr puts him back in the game eight minutes to swing the hammer. He knows how to coach. This is uh, the X's and O's are the X's and O's. But the truth is they teach those guys to be playmakers, not run plays. That's why they kick everybody's ass. You, you don't know what's coming. And even when you do, they know the counter to your counter every single time. Those guys know where everyone's supposed to be. There's, they're collectively one of the most high-effort teams. You never see guys Except for Draymond complaining about a call. You never see guys failing to get back. You never see guys not sprinting to the corners when they're supposed to be. And this is a team that, and it starts from Steph Curry, because if your best player is that coachable, that amenable, that amenable to your success, you can't help but buy in. So it's ego. That the, whole, the secret of their sauce is ego. And it starts with Steve Kerr, who doesn't have an ego. That's it. Yeah. Just get yourself a coach and a superstar and a front office where no one cares who gets the credit. That's and and that ego is reflected in that on to off thing. I think we focus a lot on the movement shooting. We're just like, man, they shoot threes and run around real fast. That's amazing. I, I and you and you see kids that are like, I'm gonna. There's some that, that was some what, southerner that what was commenting Dolly on it. Is happening here. Look, look Dave, Dave, man, it's wild your, when I start slanging the threes. Uh, <laughs> if you just podcast long enough, Kyle will start talking and tire me out. Draws. Tire just me out. Him, it's that fantastic. was Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. I, I do believe. Yes. No, I, I think that it's reflected in that we focus on the shooting part of it, which matters. But I think the ego that you're talking about is that Steph doesn't have to do this, but he does. Like when he's off the ball, he's away from the play. There'll be a play happening on the other side of the floor and Steph will cut as hard as he will. If he's going to get it, doesn't matter. He cuts the same speed. And the other thing too is like, we all three love Steph Curry. I know we're kind of going down the rabbit hole here, but somebody asked me the other day about the draft picks. You know, we've seen superstars come to a planet and like exhaust its resources and say, now you want to win a title? Help me now, like or else or I'm going to leave. And they hold that they hold them hostage. The Warriors could have used those. You know, it didn't. They pick guys that weren't immediate. Everybody knew Kaminga wasn't ready yet, but they know that he could be Sean Kemp, you know, that, that kind of thing. But 
And they asked Steph about it, and he was like, yeah, that's he wasn't mad about it. You know, We don't hear any stories getting leaked out about, like, you screwed us up because you didn't give me somebody in the short term that was – you didn't get Duarte. You got Moody instead. You know, Duarte was perceivably ready to go now. I don't know. That's just another thing. Steph Curry is a hooper. He doesn't want to run a freaking front office, man. He's a basketball player, you know? Like, that – I actually – one of the things I love the most, and I'm sure, by the way, that Steph does – Talk to the front office, right? It just makes sense. I'm sure he does. But man, like that, I love that you brought that up. That he just does, I mean, that's not his job. He lets everybody else do their job. What's his job? Get everybody open. And he does. I mean, do you think that the takeaway from this, like if there's a Reddit thread about this, Ben Taylor, Dave Dufork, Dick Kyle Mann are communists? That's the take. That's the subtext of this. <laughs> that might for you guys. That'll be the subject. For me, it'll be further evidence. Anytime I talk about Steph Curry, it's evidence that I'm actually a member of his family at this point, and I'm just running national propaganda for how he's good at basketball. Um, which every time I say out loud, I can't help crack up. I'm like, yes, Steph Curry is. W- w- wait for it. Good at basketball. You're a pioneer. That's the, that's the headline. Yeah, you're just doing this for clicks, man. That's it. Yeah. You're just saying he's good at basketball for clicks. <laughs> I wonder why why do people click so much? I don't I, I Dave, I have a theory. It's because when the ball goes in the basket and especially when you're standing behind the arky thing on the court, you get 3 points and if you do that enough and you end up with more points than the other team. I'm going full Torian Prince here. Yeah, yeah. You do that enough, you end up with more more points than the other team. I had one other um, quick thing. I know you want to wrap up, but I want to ask you A A about we're this not talking B pizza? about B about pizza, and really importantly, because uh, we we have an important agenda on that one. Yes, on that we front. do. You were talking about like our ability to judge Steve Kerr, and we agonize so much over it. What would happen if? I think it's a function of we just have so much information and so much time, and we talk about it in such small little increments. When I was growing up, it, I'm going to do the, uh, the the thing here. I, I mean. The newspaper was out, and the iterations were wider. I'm just saying that, like, what would happen if they just shut the internet off? They were like, all right, guys, we're shutting the internet off. You got a couple days to think about this game. You know what I mean? It's just, no, we, like, go way in, and we're like, we have to decide whether Steve is a good coach every night. And that's that's exhausting. I, I, I just think that the long so view exhausting. is important. And I think NBA teams that are the best – thinking that long view like you were talking about them getting their stuff ready for the playoffs experimenting tinkering things you can't see that until the end a lot of times if there was no if you didn't have the internet wouldn't we all just kind of generally agree Steph Curry's the best player in the league and has been for a while and Steve Kerr's probably the best coach in the league and has been for a while because you know they win so much I I think that's what it would be you're right there's too much like it's it's you're really deep diving but, on every single play. Yeah. But this goes back to what I was saying about this isn't just trolls on the internet, bots, green eggs, whatever. This is something um, something about the way they've played, I think, because it's different. Because Curry doesn't look, Curry doesn't look like a classic superstar. Yep. He just doesn't. And I think there's something about that that has people um, – questioning its its fragility more let's put it that way right like they're always looking to say ah see the system doesn't work the warriors won 73 games in 2016 um i think curry had the best offensive regular season in the history of the sport they then he gets injured he comes back then they go up 3-1 in the finals um 
Draymond misses a game. Andrew Bogut is injured for the rest of the series. They lose a game seven at the end of it. People talk about that season like it was garbage. (laughs) And it's like, again, just take the longer lens. This is a team that a system, a style, a player that has actually seemed to uh, achieve higher highs than most players in league history. You know, we don't have to say they're better than the 90s Bulls or the 60s Celtics or whatever. But I think because they do it differently, because it doesn't look the same, people have questioned it a lot. And we've gotten on this entire thing because of your question, Dave. And I think a fourth championship is a thing that starts to put shape on that for a lot of people. I think that's what it does. Hell yeah. Way to, way to close that circle. That was pretty Thank impressive. You. Thank you. Um, let's do, we're going to do a, a, a post show really quickly on pizza <laughs> and um, a few other things. Anything you guys want to plug while you're here over at the <laughs> Ringer or the Athletic? I mean, you know, the Athletic NBA show, the um, Nerdist She Wrote, you know, all that jazz, Daily Ding. Check it all out. The Daily Ding. Good show. All good shows. We had Kyle Mann on Nerder a couple weeks ago. Go back and listen to that episode. Pretty good. Low numbers on that one. Low numbers. Yeah, not a lot of clicks. <laughs> Low um, numbers. We were desperate. Uh, yeah, they were going to choose between just put like propping Dave's dog up to a microphone or me, and the, the dog didn't feel good that day. So like, what's Kyle doing? Um, no, you guys uh, both do amazing work that everybody should check out. Over in the ringer, we are uh, covering... Uh, I will be doing mostly draft. I was telling you guys, I've kind of shifted a lot of my attention to the draft right now, grassroots and all that kind of stuff that I enjoy and love. And I have a video coming out here soon on a prospect. Are you going to Pangos? I've never been to Pangos. I'd like to go. I'd love to go. Yeah, well. Let's do it. Um, And then I was out at EYBL this past weekend because I'm a sicko. And then... (laughs) Yeah, and I'm gonna have some written stuff coming up, and our our coverage is just gonna ramp up to the moon on that. So that's that's what we're doing. If you want to check out this post show, it's Patreon.com/slash Thinking Basketball. That is the best way to directly support this podcast. We've got uh, additional content, a couple video pieces on the playoffs throughout the series that didn't quite make the main YouTube channel. There's a daily stats leaderboard that updates throughout the postseason and a ton more patreon.com slash thinking basketball uh remember to check out that discount if you're interested sportsbusinessclassroom.com 300 off with the promo code thinking basketball that is it for dave dufour kyle Mann. thanks so much for coming on wherever you're listening as always i hope you're having a great day We want this. I, I thought we wanted this to be out there for the for the masses, the pizza.